may be found on page 868 of the Church Bibles. It is Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. And on the screen behind me. Ezekiel chapter 37. The Valley of the Dry Bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of a valley, which was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these these slaves, and they and they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet great brass army. And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back of the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you back up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord who have spoken, and I have done it. reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 17 to 22 Ephesians 2 17 to 22 
saying it four times during uh, during the sermon. You'll notice that at the end of the reading, we've got our theme verse for the year. Christ came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Well, those of you who were uh, in church this morning will have the um, privilege, uh, the um, subtle pleasure of hearing two preachers preach on the same pair of passages and no doubt come up with two completely different um, uh, explanations, expositions of what you've heard. Like two different, you know, two two different um, wines, same grape variety, but but one is is a kind of old, vintage, mellow, a rich, uh, mature taste, and the other is a kind of sparkling and uh, and, and uh, lively uh, little number with without much body or depth. I'll leave you to make your own judgment. But we're in the midst of a sermon series about the church, God's Plan A. Three weeks ago, we talked about the church's identity our identity, that we are intimately united with God through Christ. Because of Christ, the Father has for us the most extraordinary plans. We are that important to him. That's the inward theme, covenant. You remember covenant and kingdom. Covenant, um, who we are in Christ, being one with God, and kingdom, doing what God does. So covenant, the inward theme, being united with God, who we are called to be. Well, this week we're picking up the outward theme, what we're called to do. Kingdom, doing what God does. It's a theme we've heard a lot about over these last two weeks. Um, In the uh, morning service, uh, we've had two lots of mission partners. Obviously, last week... We were across on the island, uh, and that was a different experience of sending, commissioning, and going out. So Sue Theobald commissioned from here to go abroad to the Isle of Wight with God's gospel, and two sets of mission partners um, going abroad from here as well, Tim and Rachel Green, off to Malaysia to support the church in their Um, in their evangelistic mission to uh, their majority community in that Far East region. 
Rod and Glenda Thomas returning to Japan, reaching out to tsunami victims with the gospel. So how does our support for them fit within our calling, doing what God is doing? Well, when we looked three weeks ago at the church's identity, we thought about three biblical images, being the people of God under his reign and being the body of Christ. To get to grips with our calling to work for God, to do what he's doing, here are two more images tonight. We are Christ's army and we are God's building. These images are more functional than uh, the last time, three weeks ago. Not who we are in God. Those are more relational images. But what we achieve for God. So let's start with God's army. All of those amongst us who are in the military will readily understand this picture. Though I have to say it seems that uh, the Jews didn't have a navy at the time of uh, Ezekiel and, uh, and, and in those days. And so apparently God doesn't have a navy either. Sorry. And apparently also um, God already has a, um, a large recruitment campaign for his air force amongst the heavenly hosts. So we're just left with the army. Sorry about that. And what's the army for? What's it for? Obviously it's for defense and it's for attack. 75 years ago, the British army was thrown into World War II in defense of our allies on the continent. And five years later, it was mustered again with more allies to attack the stranglehold of the Axis troops across Europe. So defense and attack. As Rod was reminding us last week, in Christ, God launched his D-Day invasion and achieved the bridgehead for his mission upon this enemy-occupied world. And now generation by generation since then, he has been pouring in moving in his crack troops through his mulberry harbors in order to push forward the bounds of his kingdom. In Matthew, Jesus declares that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God, the army of God. We are that church, that army. And all across the world, the church is advancing in the name of Christ. We are advancing in the name of Christ, behind the banner of his cross to defeat his spiritual enemy, Satan, and all his forces. The accuser who has set himself up against God. And we do that by the power of his spirit, Christ's spirit. So does that feel like how we are, Christ's crack troops? Do we feel like a conquering army? Or do we feel like we are on the run, holed up in the mountains, or even laid in mothballs, a casualty of the peace dividend? As the people of God have been saying to one another in, in exile, far from Israel at the time of Ezekiel, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. They too felt dead and broken lifeless and useless. So 
So at this moment of desolation for the people of God, the people who felt very unlike an army, they had been crushed and destroyed as a nation, as a people, by an, an invading army of the Persians, and they had been taken away and into exile, humiliated, surrendered, destroyed. And this broken, slaughtered people felt themselves to be dead, cut off from God and his, his place in the world, his temple, his Jerusalem. And in this time of desolation, Ezekiel has a powerful message. At this point, I kind of want the, uh, the bands to be going. See if you can do this. Okay, so, so the dust is blowing and billowing, and Chris is there rattling on his, on his drum kit. There's a kind of, you know, the sound of, the sound of, what are they, rattlesnakes and uh, tumbleweed is blowing in the wind. A really dry, deserted, desolate picture before Ezekiel. as he looks around, as he sees across this desolate plain, barren, he realizes that on the, on the ground there are piles and heaps of old broken bones and spears and armor, as if some terrible catastrophic battle had happened here. But not just, you know, yesterday and last year and the year before, there isn't still there's not still kind of bodies and, and you know, but everything is bleached and dry. It's long, long ago. There's a sense of hopelessness. There's no life there at all. There's no grass. There's no trees. Just empty, dusty plains with bleached, dry bones lying around. lived for a hundred years here. It's not going to happen, is it? There's no life here. This is not a place of life. This is a place of old ruin and death. This is a God is defeated, God is destroyed sort of valley. This is a this is a you have no future, no hope kind of a valley. But the voice of the Lord Son of man. Interesting phrase. Son of man. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel with not quite enough faith to reach out for, of course, Lord, but enough faith to say, well, you know the answer. And I guess as we look around our country, 
200 years or more after the Great Awakenings when this was a Christian nation and everybody worshipped the Lord. And we look at us, ourselves, the church in this nation and we, we recognize how we are defeated and on the run, lacking confidence or resources or commitment with aging and declining congregations, crumbling buildings, and not enough church leaders, ignored and ridiculed and marginalized, we might wonder too, are we as useless as a pile of broken, bleached old bones? Is this us? Are we? Are we these dry old Son of Man, reminding us of Jesus and his crucifixion and his resurrection, raises in us faith. Yes, Lord, you know. You know. There are a few things worth noticing in this picture, this painting that Ezekiel word of God. Firstly, what does it take for these bones to live? What does the voice say? Speak to these bones. Prophesy to these bones and say to them. It takes the word of God, the prophetic word of God, the word of life spoken bring life. It's going to take the word of God to resemble, reassemble the church of God as the army of God in this nation. It needs us as individuals, us as a congregation, us as a church across the nation to be speaking the word of God, the truth of God. And as we speak the word of God, as we preach his gospel, as we speak of his love, as we speak of his reality and his resurrection power, the gospel can take root in our lives and the church can grow once again in our nation. There are vast numbers of dead bones, of old bleached bones that once were alive but now are not. And they need the power of word of the gospel of Christ spoken to them. Maybe some of us feel like that this evening. We look back over our life and we have heard the gospel of Christ in the past and we've responded to it then. But we have lost it. We have been defeated. We are dry bones of faith now. And we need to hear again the living word of God to us. And we need to respond to that. colleagues, family, who are dry bones, who have no spiritual life, who have no hope, no, no assurance of eternal life or of joy in this world. They need to hear 
the word of God's love to them. And certainly our nation, which hand over fist has been throwing away its heritage of relationship with the living God, needs to hear again the word of life, the word of truth, the word of power. So the first thing it takes is the preaching of God's word, prophetic word of Christ. The second thing we notice is that this miracle of life, of resurrection, happens in two stages in this image. And the first thing that happens as Ezekiel preaches faithfully, as he has been doing for five years, faithfully and fruitlessly preaching the word of God, as he preaches, things begin to come back together. There is a restructuring, a reformation, a reforming. Bone comes to bone. Sinews and flesh begin to grow. It seems that reality and, and strength is coming back. Armor is on. The spear is there. These bodies are of, you know, they're ranking up, they're coming together. The army is being recreated. It's exciting and powerful. But it's still dead. It's still dead, but the army is coming together. You can see it both ways around. And I guess the first thing I'm saying about us, about the church, is that um, as the word of God is preached to us, we can start to grow and reform and restructure ourselves. And the, the potential is there. The potential of strength, the, the arms are there, the armor is on, the flesh is there, the muscles, the, um, the ranks and the captains and the structure. Thirdly, something more. There's something more that happens which gives life and power is the breath of God. The breath of God. And through the Bible we hear about the breath of God, the Hebrew word roach, which means breath, but is also uh, wind, translated as spirit. And Jesus uses all three of those phrases um, talk about uh, the wind blowing and we don't know where it's going let alone being able to control it no one can control the wind you can use it you know if you want to go in the same direction but you can't control its power you can't even tell where it's going and so it is this wind so it is with the breath of God so it is with the spirit of life we can see its impact we can see it's coming the Spirit coming and wait for the power of God to come. When the Spirit of God comes upon these dead bones, 
then they live again. They're restructured, reformatted, reformed, reformation um, bodies of that army suddenly takes life. Suddenly they're standing, they're on their feet, they're in serried ranks. Suddenly they are waiting for commands. Suddenly they are a force, a power to be reckoned with at the name of God, waiting for his command, the leading of his spirit, ready to do his bidding. A vast army, says Ezekiel, powerful and ready for God's, God's bidding. And then you will know Remember that Jesus told his disciples once he had brought them back together after his, um, his crucifixion, his resurrection, he brought them back, he encouraged them, he strengthened them, and they were reformed, ready to be his new army in that upper room. But they were still, as Rod was telling us, they were still dumb. They were still powerless. They could not change the world. So Jesus tells them to wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. But when the Spirit comes in power, then you will go to all the nations. So what do we have to do? We have to speak the prophetic word of the coming of Christ's Spirit. We need to reform and restructure make sure we're all in the right places, that we've got our arms in, in place and our armor on. And then we need to wait for the Spirit, longing for the Spirit to come, to give life to what God has created in us. For then we will be what we are called to be in Christ's name, his army to defend his world, his army to, to attack his enemies, as we pour across the bridgehead of his victory into this world behind the sign of his cross. Ready to take captive every thought and every argument, every stronghold of darkness raised against the kingship of God, the army of Christ. The other image that we had in the second reading, we've explored several times already this year, it's the image, as well as being Christ's army, of being his home, his house, his temple, the place where he dwells, the place where his impact on the world can be felt, the place where he can welcome his guests, offer a haven of healing, build his family, reveal his glory. As the building, that's not the intimate relationship of identity, us with Christ, that's the function that we have to be the place where Christ can be met. That's the calling we have. So with these two images, we've got an outward, a powerful and active one. Dare one say a masculine one. And we've got an, uh, uh, an inner, a patient, a peaceful, a hospitable, a joyful one. Two different but very powerful complementary um, images, two, two kinds of um, 
place or, or um, two functions for the way that God can move through us. Through us, Christ can continue to preach peace to those who are far away and those who are near. Through us, his gospel can still be spoken out and lived out so that people can hear and see his message of love, see, hear from our words and see it in us, in our lives. I've heard some worry expressed over the last couple of weeks that um, sharing the gospel when people are vulnerable is, is some kind of an abuse of them, is some kind of a misuse. Um, as if we can't offer spiritual sustenance at the same time as off offering physical sustenance. Of course, we need to make sure that Jesus' compassion is expressed physically to people. When people are in physical need, they need to receive the love of Jesus physically through us. But offering physical food without spiritual food is to deny people deeper needs that they have. If we are to offer true friendship, that must involve for us offering the friendship of Christ as well as our friendship. For we are not just human refuge in the storm. We are Christ's building to offer his refuge to all who need him. Well, you can see how our conversations with uh, St. Simon's, the next door parish, fit into both of these images. Yes, it's true in terms of our um, identity as Christians, our calling to be one with Christ, that the idea of growing closer with St. Simon's fits with the idea of unity, of growing closer together in Christ, just as Christ is one with his Father. But it's also part of our calling to be the army and the household of God. To restructure ourselves in new ways by the prophetic word of truth as we wait for the Spirit to come and empower us. To make us more powerful, more effective in Christ's battles in South Sea and beyond and more welcoming and more loving as his, um, his house, his temple, the place of his haven and his welcome in South Sea and beyond. We need to be restructuring ourselves in new ways by the prophetic word of truth and waiting for the Spirit to fill us. Rebuilding ourselves as a bigger house so that we can be filled anew with his presence to bring his love to his lost, broken, and alienated children bringing them the warmth of his love. On the one hand, restructuring without the Spirit will prove barren and dead. But filled with the Spirit, that restructuring gives us more effectiveness, more power, more opportunity for an even more powerful impact. So please keep praying for the two PCCs us as two congregations, as we seek how to be more united, more together in spirit, more effective along
alongside or together for Christ in South Sea and in Portsmouth as his army battling for him to defend um, to defend his world, his community against the forces of evil at work in the world and offering a wider and warmer welcome to those who need him. And pray for us as a congregation, as an evening congregation, that we, each one of us, may speak the truth of God into the lives of those around us. That we may have the courage to do what Ezekiel did. And when we meet people whose lives are dry and barren, we can speak the truth, the love, the joy, the peace, the courage, the grace, the life of Jesus by his Spirit into their lives. So that Jesus will fill us as a congregation and those we meet with his spirit for his work in the world. Have been built. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for the extraordinary privilege of being part of your church. You have chosen us to be your army, a vast army that no one can stop. To be your home in the world, a broad and open door. Build us better and stronger, ready to do your will, and fill us with your spirit, that we might come alive for you, the army of your Son, the dwelling in which you live by your spirit.